0: Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman has issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. One final holiday is not keeping KKHI from working. Uh Uh-uh, not when it's time for the football feast. The Chiefs, 27-24 winner over the Denver Broncos on Sunday. That's 15 straight for Kansas City over Denver. But why does it feel like they are never easy? Patrick Mahomes was good in this game. He statted out terrifically. After the game, he said he was disappointed. He apologized to Marquez Valdez Scantling and said, I let you down today. When he was asked what he did well, what made him happy about the game, he says, Not a lot for me personally satisfying in this one, other than the win. It's the missed passes that are bothering Patrick Mahomes, even though he went 29 of 42 for 328, three touchdowns, the one interception. Mahomes not happy. It should not have been this hard. There were a couple of easy touchdowns missed and a couple of big mistakes like a fumble and a fourth down penalty that cost the Chiefs in this game and made it close to the end up next the Raiders on Saturday what will it mean could be the one seed. well the one seed will definitely be on the line one way or the other regardless of what happens with the Bills and the Bengals should the Bengals win on Monday night the Chiefs can wrap up that one seed with a win over the Raiders Saturday at 330 it will not be easy Raiders looked good on Sunday and these division games as you can see are very very tough we'll break all that down with Stan Weber on our football feast. And we'll go over the playoffs. I'll ask Dan specifically, which of the sleeper teams do you think is most dangerous in each conference? I'm not talking about the Chiefs, the Bills, or the Bengals. I'm not talking about the Eagles or the 49ers or the Cowboys. Of the teams that are about to sneak their way in or play their way in or found their way in after Sunday, like the Giants, which team is the most dangerous in each conference? We'll go over that with Stan. We'll also get Stan's thoughts on Kansas State's loss, 45-20 to Alabama in the Sugar Bowl on Saturday. Kansas State, good start in this game, but clearly not as good as Alabama. And questions, a lot of people questioning now, should Alabama have been in the playoff? I thought they should have given to begin with. Now, the system sets it up to where they can't because they had two losses. That's not the way it works. But I can't see any scenario where Alabama was not one of the best four teams in the country this year. I think we saw that. In this game, and I think a lot of people are going to be questioning, uh, well, it doesn't matter. We're going to a 12-team playoff. We're going to get there. Bama would have been in. They'd have been able to play their way through. And uh, we'll just get Stan's thoughts on what this meant for Kansas State, what they need to do to get better, if they're going to get to a level where they can compete for a national title in a playoff because they're not as good as Alabama. It was pretty obvious in that game on Saturday. We'll get all of Stan's thoughts on that. We'll also get his thoughts on TCU beating Michigan in one semifinal playoff. Stan predicted that last week the TCU would win that game you also had Georgia over Ohio State but I don't think any of us saw Georgia struggling like they did twice down two touchdowns in the first half and the second half they come back to win it and now Georgia's is a huge favorite over TCU which I don't think I understand in the national title game all of that is ahead on the football feast brought to you by Buck Roofing and Construction proud sponsor of Stan's segments he and Mike Robinson at Roberts Robinson from the very beginning said hey I want to sponsor those Stan Weber podcasts. I said, count me in. Buck Roofing would love to meet with you this new year and get you a free roof inspection. Make sure you're okay after the ice and the snow we had a couple of weeks ago. Or if you have an emergency or see ceiling spots, just call Buck Roofing and they'll buzz right out to your house and take a look for you. 913-384-2680. And you'll sleep well knowing Buck Roofing fixed the roof over your head. Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet Buick GMC in Excelsior Springs. My guy, Tim, is on the showroom floor every day at Roberts Robinson. They're not the biggest dealership. They're just the best. And if you'd like to order a new Chevy, Buick, or GMC, they're going to order that thing up with every option exactly like you like it. Whether price is most important and you want to stay low and not get a bunch of stuff in it, or whether you want to trick it out with everything offered, Roberts Robinson will set you up. And it's the home of the lifetime warranty. Very few dealerships anywhere in the country offer the lifetime warranty absolutely included with your purchase, but they do that as a standard order of business at Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet Buick GMC, online at robertsrobinson.com. And Finch Knife Company, making beautiful pocket knives for collection or display or for everyday use, online at FinchKnifeco.com or visit Shields the Bullet Hole in Overland Park or Teague Tractor in Belton and check them out for yourself. They've got a great collection of knives and a wonderful upstart business here. Been in business now, I think, about three, four years, and they're really gaining traction around the country. Finch Pocket Knives. Keep life from getting dull. Online at FinchKnifeco.com. So much football. We don't take holidays around here. We got Stan Weber up for the football feast. The KKHI Conversation is brought to you by Fry Orthodontics, where your smile is just the start. Online at fryorthodontics.com. We say Happy New Year to Stan Weber. It's the football feast, and we've got much to discuss after it. You know, Stan, I don't know about you. I love the holidays. I always look forward to the holidays. Is it finally over? Because I feel like these holidays have just lasted forever, and now this Monday is officially a holiday. I don't know what to do with all this stuff. I'm ready to get back to normal. How are you, sir?
1: Well, Kevin, I always like normal. Fortunately, uh, life would not be too happy if I didn't like five days of the work week and those kind of things, and normal weeks with normal games. So that said, it has lasted a long time, and it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad it goes one more day for everybody, January 2nd. Uh, a chance for everyone to act like it's the old January 1st and then ease their way back, maybe get a little rest before they go back to work on Tuesday and Uh, start trying to write down 2023. The hardest thing there is to do is to write down, any time you put a date down, the three instead of the two. That's where the challenge occurs. Uh, That's next up. The the previous challenge was how much fun are we going to have, how much are we going to eat? But uh, the tiebreaker for me, obviously, is the football has just gone on and on and on, and it's been a lot of fun. From Kansas' Liberty Bowl game being a feature bowl game to the weekend heating up and the NFL back and uh, getting ready for the postseason. It's been a good long run, but you're right. This does seem like the holidays have been around a long, long time.
0: Well, and it continues, and good for you. You work as many hours as anybody I know, probably more than anybody I know, and we got a full day of football on Monday. We won't go over all those. There's some terrific bowl games, including the Rose Bowl, and then the big game on Monday night between the Bills and the Bengals. We'll get to that, but let's start with the Chiefs and what your thoughts are on Sunday. The Chiefs win 27-24. That's 15 straight over the Broncos and Patrick Mahomes statted out just fine here. He was twenty nine of forty two, three twenty eight, three touchdowns and interception. He said after the game stand, they said what was satisfying about the way you played today, and Mahomes says not a lot satisfying for me and the way I played. The misses were dreadful in this game. I mean, there were two missed bombs for touchdowns and a couple of other throws that were just off the mark and and just didn't look like Patrick Mahomes. Is that A division game, is that Denver's defense, the Chiefs never really pound Denver, it always seems like it's a close game even though they win, or is Mahomes not as accurate as he needs to be this time of year?
1: Division games overall are going to be closer, I always feel that way and talk about it a lot, so the reason why the game was closer, a lot of it's to do with the fact that the Broncos know how to play the Chiefs in division games, but the, the issue you're pointing in on is a very good one, because... It seems like when he's throwing some of those balls on a, a deep over or a go route uh, that he's flicking his wrist with hope rather than stepping into it with confidence. Uh, sometimes you, see, you can see a quarterback get into a rhythm, and when he steps a certain way, you go, like, that's complete. You only need to see where the ball is going to go. On your TV, you probably can't tell where the receivers are. And it does seem like in this game, the thing you talked about would be the biggest feature, question mark, missing wide open guys. You know, how in sync is he with every player? He's utilizing so many receivers. That's been a big theme, throwing it to whoever's open rather than forcing the ball like he might in the past to a Tyreek Hill. But is he in sync with each of them on their deep routes, the intricacies of the angle cut that they want, the speed they have? I don't know. It's not something you think a lot about. Uh, when you're a quarterback and you see a guy who's a 4 5 guy versus a 4 4 guy running out free, the amount of space that they're going to take while the ball's in the air is different. It's just even that tenth of a second, Kevin. The guy is running a four or four. I'm talking about football pads, four or four. He's going to fly down the field a little bit further than the guy who's running the four or five, even though they're both fast. And so you got to change how you throw the football to those guys, but you don't think about it. It's weird. How does your brain calculate? But you just let it go and you throw it. And then it usually goes right on stride. If he is, he is not. You know, thinking about it, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is is saying, oh, this guy's a little bit slower, this guy's a little bit faster, he angles slightly to the right. You can do that kind of stuff, and I guarantee you. Let's not say we know what Patrick Mahomes is thinking, but if he is therefore guiding the football, Kevin, he will be inaccurate, and it's a problem. If his brain just applies what it should and he gets confident in it and it misses, then you might have a recalibration issue. And I don't know how you fix that in your brain. These are definitely issues, though. Uh, it's something we haven't seen Patrick Mahomes, have to, Patrick Mahomes had to deal with in any time of his career. He's been flicking the ball, throwing it on the run, whatever, and delivering the ball accurately. And he didn't do that yesterday. You know, easy 40-yard gains or touchdowns were missed at least two times. And this year it's happened some, but it really happened against the Denver Broncos. I do think it's a giant question mark. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think it's like he's got bad fundamentals in the pocket or he's off balance. That's never been a problem. And your brain, Kevin will recalculate. Uh, Let me use this example. I shot a shotgun uh, as, as a 25 year old for the first time trying to hit blue rock. Okay. So we're out at a ranch and they're throwing up blue rock and we're shooting at it. And it's just a great fun activity. And when I first picked up the gun, I would try to look at that blue rock, fly at an angle, calculate, okay, when I shoot this shot, where is it going to hit that blue rock? And I don't know what I was doing trying to think that, but I try to, you know, measure it out and shoot ahead of the blue rock and then expect it to be hit. That didn't work very well. And then someone told me, just use your natural instincts and pull the trigger. Just don't think, just look at that blue rock real quick, pull the trigger, boom, they started being hit. How did that happen? In fact, I started throwing the football better, Kevin, after that day because I started throwing the football believing in my brain, not just trying to calculate. And when I was a quarterback even at K State, I was a very good passer because I was calculating. Oh, this is Joe; he's faster. Those kind of things. You can't think that way. The great quarterbacks just let their brain go to work because it's not working. I do have question marks. It's a big issue, and I don't know where we're going to stand on that because. In the playoff games, you can't miss one or two right. touchdowns. That, that's and the point. assume the Chiefs are going to overcome that. You
0: can't do that. That's the point. And I, and I thought it was telling that he went up to Marquez Valdez Scantling after the game, right on the field. It was the first teammate that he went to and he said, I let you down today. And I if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he overthrew him on one and underthrew him on another. But there were two plays that he could have had touchdowns on. But then there were other plays like he made kind of a, a, a really behind Kelsey pass that Kelsey caught, a big third down conversion. He, he made the catch, or it might have been fourth down even. He made the catch, and it wasn't a very good throw, and it was a short throw. There were a bunch, and this is nitpicking again. This man had 328 yards passing, three touchdowns, and one interception. I think he had about 230 at the half. I mean, his first half numbers were eye-popping. He completed his first eight or nine passes. It wasn't that he wasn't good. It's that they've worked so hard, Stan, to do these little short routes and be so good at them, and he's gotten really good at them. The little floaty passes, the little outs, move the chains, move the chains. Well, all that's doing is greasing the wheel for later in the game so you can go deep. And it worked. And they got open deep and he missed them. And some are long and some are short. And I think that's what troubles me the most. If it was, hey, he's just throwing it long every time, you're like, okay, I got to back off this thing or put some more air under it. There might be a thing that you can define. But when sometimes he's short and sometimes he's long, there's no defining what the issue is. It just isn't working for him.
1: Yeah. And that goes from, you know, a one out of a 10. Rating of how he's thrown the football throughout his career. I don't even know if 10 is a high enough number. Uh, He's he's banging on the 10 all the time. And he might be a nine or eight now, but it is a regression. I I think you're onto something. He is missing some throws that he doesn't normally miss. You know, for instance, Valdez Gantling had seven balls thrown his way, Kevin, and only two completions. That just is unbelievable. Uh, You look at the longest throw of the day for the Chiefs against Denver on Sunday. 38 yards to Tony. So that is not fully utilizing what Patrick Mahomes can bring. Overall, the game is on his shoulders. So I I can flip from one side and talk about these questions to the other side, Kevin, to a whole different set of questions, which is Patrick Mahomes is having to win these games by himself, Kevin. Uh, He is running around, throwing. They only ran the ball 16 times in the game, an average 2.9 yards a carry. So the running game is a non-factor. And I'm not here to blast the offensive line. Uh, Maybe he's leaving the pocket too early. But every play, it seemed, against the Broncos was Patrick Mahomes ready to pass the football and then moving around, running around, looking for something to happen, and then throwing an accurate pass normally and then missing a few here or there. And what's the Chiefs offense? It is Patrick Mahomes. And we've been talking about this as a theme for half the season now. That I, I just think there's too much on Patrick and maybe Travis Kelsey. I mean, those two guys have got to come up with plays for the chiefs to get over the hump. That said, before we create too much negativity, no one in the NFL is hitting on all cylinders right now. That's true. Yeah. Amazing. Down the stretch, they come limping, limping down the stretch. The Philadelphia Eagles have played so well. Is it just because Jalen hurts is injured? It can't be just that Jalen hurts is injured. The whole team just doesn't have quite the spark Buffalo and Cincinnati. Go back and watch their games. You can talk about the winning streak Cincinnati had, but they've looked lethargic and even bad for multiple quarters during games. They've been able to find a way to win. Buffalo's back to doing what? Relying on the quarterback to run the football all over the field and take hits. The whole team is not playing great with the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen has got the team on his shoulders. I think now, as we've been saying, Josh Allen having the team on his shoulders with the Buffalo Bills is something that's been a truism for two or three years. I don't feel uncomfortable. He has to do seventh-grade sweeps to get first downs. He scrambles. He moves. He throws. Josh Allen is a difference maker for the Buffalo Bills. Well, Patrick Mahomes has become that. We are the Buffalo Bills. Both of the Chiefs and the Bills are playing where the quarterback has got to pull a rabbit out of the hat. The team isn't just you know first-down play, second-down play, oh, we've got another first down, and just driving it down the field. How many years, Kevin, have we watched the Kansas City Chiefs start a drive where in the back of your mind you thought it's probably going to be a touchdown? And you were surprised when the Chiefs had a holding call or someone dropped a pass, and you go, darn it, the Chiefs had to punt. Wasn't that the exception when you started a drive? I've been watching the Chiefs thinking they're going to score touchdowns for multiple years now, and when the Denver Broncos and the Chiefs ran out in the field, I felt like the Chiefs were on a normal football team. I didn't know if they were going to do it. And when they did move the ball down the field, It was Patrick doing so much. So he's got so much pressure on him right now. We talked about where he may be letting us down a little bit compared to the perfection that he has, some deep balls and those kind of things. Maybe he's not in perfect sync. Maybe he's asking himself some questions. Maybe he's physically worn out. Kevin, you got to throw some balls in the pocket as a quarterback. You can't be running around all the time. It just affects you in a way. So I do not feel good about how the Chiefs are playing on offense right now compared to the way they played the last few years. right? Uh, But it still may be good enough. It still may be good enough, Kevin. Uh, That's what's crazy because I don't see any team out there who's hitting on all cylinders. Because look at the 49ers. They're the most put-together team, Kevin. The 49ers are the most Super Bowl-ready team, except they don't have the normal quarterback. And Brock Purdy's going to make mistakes here and there. So I can't tell you, oh, the Niners is the best team in football when their quarterback has question marks. And so and the, Raiders had the Chiefs a beat. still may be the best team. The Chiefs still may be the best team, even though we kind of split these hairs and can come up with some reasons why I do not feel as good about the Chiefs going into the playoffs as I have throughout the Mahomes era.
0: We can always look. I think what we're seeing in these Chiefs games is we're looking at four to five plays in each game that uh, two or three of them, the Chiefs don't execute and don't make a play they could have. We talked about that. The missed deep balls, those will be really, really tough to deal with in the postseason if you don't make the positive plays. And they still have two or three snaps a game. They've got to clean up, turning the ball over, fumbling a kick return. You know, whatever it may be, the mistakes that they make, they can't do. A fourth down where you stop them, you get a hands to the face away from the play that keeps the drive going and allows Denver to score a touchdown to pull within three. I mean, they're just... There are very little things that seem like they ought to be able to shore up, but you can see it. I mean, you could, even yesterday's game, you could watch four or five plays in that game and go, okay, if the Chiefs had just done what they're supposed to do on these two or three and not made this critical mistake over here, fumbling the ball or the hands to the face, which was a silly penalty. Um, I forget which D-back did it, but it was a silly penalty that should not have happened right there. You take those away, the Chiefs maybe win this game by 17 or 20, and it's a, it's a go away. I mean, it's, it's all right there. We're still talking about a quarterback who completed passes to eleven different receivers in this game and threw for three twenty eight, and we're nitpicking that he wasn't good enough. I mean, there's there's so much to like here that there's no doubt in my mind if they put it together and play their best football, this team will win the Super Bowl. I I, I still believe they're a game. Nobody's gonna beat them because as you mentioned with the Niners or whatever, if they played the Niners in the Super Bowl, they don't have the quarterback. And the Chiefs already played the Niners. Now, maybe Jalen Hurts is some sort of a star that we don't know, and maybe the Eagles really are that great. But even Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and the Bengals and Bill, I'm not afraid of them. If the Chiefs are playing those teams, every time they've lost to those teams, I can point to the reason why, and it's usually something the Chiefs did wrong. It's not really the other team went out and beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat themselves. If they put it together, Stan, they're still a killer football team, man.
1: Yes, that's why I think that every fan listening – Has to decide what viewpoint that you would like to have because you can look at what we're talking about in two completely different ways. And and you mentioned, for instance, on Patrick Mahomes, he is playing awesome and he is doing so much. I think, I think he's winning the game for the Chiefs the last four or five weeks way much, way too much on his shoulders than he, he should have to. The rest of the team should help him. Or you can talk about how great he is and he's the best quarterback. You can talk about a few things where he's not doing as well as he was. But let's look at the team. I think this is a big question everybody listening needs to ask themselves. So, if you were to start a season randomly over the last uh, 30 years if you're an NFL fan and talk about a team getting ready for the playoffs that looks like this Kansas City Chiefs in this 2022 year, how excited should you be to have a football team like this entering the playoffs? You would be off the charts excited. I mean there like you said Kevin, if everybody plays their a game, She's probably win any of those games. And if you're not playing your A game as much as you should, those other teams around you, Kevin, are really playing B plus games right now, fighting to get back to A minus. You know, no one's threatening A or A plus games. So Kansas City, like everybody else, is grinding along in a 17-game schedule with the calendar move back. You know, we should be getting ready to play off, play the playoffs, and we still have another regular season game left. So you should be so happy where the Kansas State Chiefs are, Uh, that is the view plane if you look at it that way. Now, if you're a a person who said, the window to win Super Bowls is not that big, Uh, so when you're really good, you better win, and when the season started, the Chiefs should have went out and been the best team in football, and you look at what they aren't doing right now that you would expect them to do, uh, then you can be disappointed. And if you look at the competition around and go, well, what game is going to be easy in the playoffs? I mean, every game is going to be a fight. Where are we? We're the Kansas City Chiefs. We should be better than this. Well, you can have that view. You can be negative and say the Chiefs should be the best playing at a high level and not messing around with dangerous playoff games. Kevin, they're going to be dangerous. Every playoff game the Chiefs play is going to be a war because that's how how deep the playoff pool is in the AFC Even teams that didn't make the playoffs would be dangerous opponents for the Chiefs. So, if you want to be negative, say, I can't believe the Chiefs are going to have to play a bunch of competitive games to win the Super Bowl, that we're in competition with a lot of people and we're not playing quite as well as we should, what's going on, or you could be super positive. If I gave you a blank slate and you just showed up 30 years later and said, where are we? and go, the Chiefs are as good as anybody in the NFL. We got the second best coach, and maybe the best coach is going to be alive in the playoffs. We got a quarterback that is unbelievable, fairly healthy, and we got a football team that's had a winning record the last few years. How good is this? And they would be hugging us saying, you got to be kidding me, man. In the NFL, right right here in Kansas City, we got got as good a team as anybody in the NFL? Yes, we do.
0: It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, but it's also going to be an awful lot of fun. There's so many good quarterbacks and good teams out there. Now, the Chiefs have been moved to Saturday this week. They'll play the Raiders Saturday in Las Vegas, 3.30 Saturday afternoon, and they could have the opportunity to just wrap up the one seed right there. If the Bengals beat the Bills on Monday night, the Chiefs beat the Raiders on Saturday, the Chiefs are the one seed. I, I You know, we won't spend a lot of time here on the Bills-Bengals because some people may hear this podcast after that game is played. But we know what is on the line there. I, I think I like the Bengals a little bit on Monday night. I think you like the Bengals a little bit on Monday night. Not a lot. This is going to be a terrific game. But the Chiefs-Raiders has, me, has my attention, for sure, because look, even if the Bills win, they still have to beat the Patriots next week. The Patriots are trying to get in the playoffs, right? Or they're at eight and eight, um, trying to find their way in as well. So it still wouldn't be over. But this Raider game, I think a lot of Chiefs fans look at these Broncos and Raiders games here at the end of the year and think, okay, that's easy. This is the one that has scared me. And I watched Jared Stidham go out and play yesterday and they had the Niners on the ropes. They got the game into overtime and had it won when he got hit and then it was intercepted and the Niners wind up winning it. But the Raiders look good. It looked like they were playing for something, like maybe a, a load was lifted from them or something. This will not be easy for the Chiefs, even if it's just sitting there for them. How do you see the Raider game Saturday?
1: I do, I think it's dangerous um, because it would be the biggest punch gut if you had the opportunity to get the number one seed and you didn't get it because you lost. You know What happens if uh, Cincinnati did beat Buffalo and then you go out and dump your game on Saturday? Uh, So I do think division games are always closer. You know, headline that, put it in bold, division games are always closer. And I think this, another theorem that maybe I haven't said to you, Kevin, very often, when you're down to the end of the season and you find a team that has nothing to play for, they're not going to the playoffs, or maybe they got coaching, coaching issues or administrative issues or whatever, where you want to write them off and you want to say they have nothing to play for. Whenever you get to that point in the NFL, be very careful. I happen to believe that the teams playing their last football game or last two football games and know they're not going to the playoffs, have free minds and really remember that when they were a 12 year old, they love football and, and they're saddened when they get ready for the week. Kevin, they're saddened. Like I can't believe football's over. I mean, I hated it four weeks ago, but now that I'm only get one more game, I'm kind of excited for this game. The other thing that happened that's very critical, the coaches are on your ass all the time. Now, not, Not as much in 2022, but they'll give you dirty looks and and those kind of things. And there's kind of a a tension between the coach pushing you and you as a player trying to get things done. And there's a disconnect, like I'm trying or I did that right. Don't don't say I did that wrong. There's a tension between the players and coaches that goes away. When you get to this point in the season and you're the Raiders this week, every position coach is going to be loving on the players and saying, hey, it's great to work with you this year. We may not be together next year. We, we may be, we may not be around each other the rest of our lives. Let's just go out and have some fun. And the coaches are positive, and everyone's giving each other that look like, you know, it's been a great experience to be associated with you. We don't know where we're going to be next year, and the NFL it doesn't last long. My point is, the psychological point that's happening behind the scenes favors those teams that have nothing to play for, and the ones who have the pressure building on them. Yeah is the ones that everyone says has something to play for. It's the weirdest thing ever, Kevin. Watch this weekend. Watch how many teams, let's just use the Raiders as an example, will play out of their minds and put stress on teams like Kansas City when they're supposed to pack it in. So that's a big factor. I got the Raiders fighting like crazy in another close
0: game. I think that's a factor in the Bills-Bengals game. I think the Bengals still have their sights on the one seed. I think they're thinking, hey, if we beat Buffalo here, Kansas City could lose to the Raiders and we're the one seed. We'll have the tiebreaker over both of them. I think there's a lot on the line here. Let's let's just for to wrap the NFL up here before we move on to college because it was a major college weekend. To wrap it up, let's take out the big boys here. All right, let's let's get rid of the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Niners, Eagles, Cowboys, whoever in these conferences because a lot of talk this week will be about who's trying to get in. Like the Packers now control their own destiny. If they win their game against the Lions this weekend, they are in. The Commanders are out. They got knocked out, so they're they're done. The Steelers. With a win, stayed alive. Jacksonville's playing for a chance to win the division against Tennessee. Of all these teams that we don't really focus much on, Seattle is still sort of alive. We we know that the Giants made it in yesterday. Of all the like non-factor good teams that are lurking around eight wins right now or whatever, give me one in each conference that you think could make some noise. And I'm going to throw the Chargers out here too because they look like they're going to be what an 11 win team. So let's, let's we understand the Chargers can do this. Of these little scragglers finding their way into the playoffs, which ones do you think could go on the road and make some noise if they get in?
1: Before I answer that question, I want to talk about a theme that I think showed up at the end of this week. Kevin, when you and I talk about football normally, I will spend a, a lot of time focusing in on don't ever, if you're in the AFC, consider that New England or Pittsburgh aren't going to be part of the race. Those coaches. Those two elite coaches for New England and Pittsburgh, and what do you know, they're alive right now. So that was one theme that I thought we, you know, as this season went along, Kevin, we did not play that card. When we talked about what was going on in the NFL, we never said, well, just count Pittsburgh and New England in. So they are teams that are going to be hard to beat in the playoffs, whichever one makes the playoffs. The other theme, the other one that we always need to have is when you have elite, elite quarterbacks, don't ever write them off. I know I talked to you on a podcast earlier this year, you said, you know, can we finally say Tom Brady's not going to be a factor? And I told you, uh, no, Tom Brady is still going to be a factor. Well, guess what? So is Aaron Rodgers right now. So you normally start the season saying Belichick is going to be there. Uh, and you're, you're going to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers as a part of the, the play as well. And that's what popped up here at the last of the season. You're looking around and going, oh, my gosh, Pittsburgh's back. New England's back. And quarterbacks are back. So to answer your question now. Any NFC, um, you didn't mention Minnesota. <laughs> I, dude, I think they're team. one and done. It's hilarious.
0: I, I don't care who plays Minnesota; they're losing their first game. Their defense is the <laughs> worst I've seen. They're terrible. That's not a good football team.
1: Okay, to answer your question, <laughs> uh, the, the the Green Bay Packers, are my number one, and I would say Detroit Lions. Number two, right behind them. Okay. Detroit is playing out of their mind, and they're dangerous. They're like Cincinnati was last year. Great offense, better than you know defense. But I th- playing I, with a confidence. If
0: they beat the Packers going, this week, though, don't they miss out if Seattle wins? Yeah, I they do. The Li- I don't think but the Lions have any control over themselves at this point. They have no. They, control. they
1: absolutely don't. But I'm gonna. I was just gonna say. Let's just keep it simple. Green Bay. Okay. Green Bay's thirteen and four here here's the they here's They look really statement.
0: good right now, I don't
1: they? Green Bay's thirteen and four team is a fake. Okay. Last year, yep. the three, 13 and three team, the year before that, was a fake. When we went to the playoffs last year, Kevin, I never told you the Green Bay is gonna make the team you'd be the team to All go right. to the Super Bowl. Okay. Never said that. Okay? Because they were a fake at thirteen and four. All right. They were a 13 four team that was really a nine and seven, a nine and eight team or ten and seven. Okay? This year is the exact opposite. They're the same as they were before. They their record looks awful. If they win this game and go in at nine and eight, they are just as good as they were when they were thirteen and four. Does that? Does, yep. I hope that sounds crazy. I, Dude, no, I, I totally I'm get telling I, you it this Green Bay team is the same yep. team. Their defense isn't awful, but it's not good. Their special teams are not awful, but it's not good. Offensively, Jones can run when he's hot. He can get it. And Aaron Rodgers can beat you single-handedly. Yep. Single-handedly, he can beat you. And now they're playing with the confidence in his cockiness when they were four and eight, and he didn't panic. And guess what everyone said? This jerk is calling his teammates out. This jerk is saying, <laughs> I'm good enough to make the playoffs. I think we still can. I don't know if the rest of these guys can cool. get their stuff together or not. He was it, hated by the media for being such a jerk. Yeah. But guess what his players are thinking right now? They're running along with Aaron. The Green Bay oh. Packers, the answer to your NFC question, they could go all the way to the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter if they play at, on the road or at home. Really, Brock Purdy against Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah,
1: well, okay, I'm the, telling you, San Francisco's good, Kevin, but don't you, you listen? I
0: know.
1: You, don't, doesn't your mind go, wait a second, Green Bay's on the road, uh-huh. the weather's beautiful in San Francisco, and Brock Purdy is going against Aaron Rodgers. Don't you think there's a chance Green Bay might
0: win that game? Sure.
1: Absolutely. So I'm going to Green Green Bay is my question oh, if Bay. you don't give me Minnesota. All right. So Green Bay. Well, I can't give you Minnesota the because
0: AS. they're the two seed for crying <laughs> out loud. I said we're eliminating those teams. Plus, I don't care who plays. Stan, that's, that's the worst defense in the NFL. I the right now, if the if the playoffs were today, I think the Giants would play at Minnesota in the first round. I am not giving Minnesota that win. I'm sorry, because even Daniel Jones and the Giants can score points against the Vikings. Oh my gosh, that defense is dreadful. Um, okay, how about the AFC? So you like Belichick and Tomlin. We don't know if Tomlin's going to get in. Looks like Belichick will get in, although they're probably going to lose the Bills. Will that knock them out? I'm not even sure. Jacksonville plays Tennessee. Yes, Is the, Jack-
1: the, 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 New England has to New England gets first choice. Uh, if they win, they're in. But, you know, most people don't think New England's going to beat Buffalo. So right. that puts them in a precarious situation and bring, brings into a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sure. Both those two teams will be tough because the coaches are so good. Miami, if Tua comes back, could be dangerous for a game. I don't want to play Miami for one game. I don't think they can put it, put it together for two or three games. Yes. New England, they are what they are. So I guess uh, out of those teams, Kevin, because there's so many teams in the AFC, you didn't give me the Chargers right. for this answer. You know, we've gone right. through almost every team. There's, so, you know, you got to say Jacksonville. That's you the one I'm The one I'm afraid
0: of is Jacksonville. I'm like, oh no, that team. Nobody talks about Jacksonville, and they they've been playing great, and the quarterback's been playing great. I, they're a little worrisome, and I, I think they're going to beat Tennessee and win that division. But it, it, so if they win that division, that means they can't come to Arrowhead. Is that right? If the Chiefs are the two seed, they would get a wild card right.
1: team. No, the the, the 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 if the Chiefs Chiefs win a division, they cannot play Jacksonville in the right. first round because the winner right. of the Jacksonville Tennessee game is the four seed. So the chiefs, if, if you're a two seed, you're looking at the seventh team in, you're looking at new England, right? Which, or it will not Pittsburgh. be the chargers.
0: It'll be Pittsburgh or new England or the dolphins or somebody like that.
1: Right. You have to yep. fall down to the three seed. Yep. That's why the Buffalo Cincinnati game. Well, the chiefs Raiders game matters a lot. Sure. So does you jack so. around and you could be the three seed, right? Okay. You, you can end up being the three seed. If Cincinnati beats new Buffalo and Buffalo beats, New England, I think the Chiefs would fall to the three-seed, and suddenly now you're looking around at a, a new, dangerous level of team. The seventh seed probably will not be that great in the AFC because Miami's really leaking oil. Buffalo, I mean, uh, New England is going to be coached so well, but they're just not that dangerous. And Pittsburgh, they'll be da- they're another football team that will play hard, but they just don't match up great with the Chiefs. Anyway, I, I think... Jacksonville is a team that could play hot and do something, win a first round game and then cause some havoc for the number one seat. They may be number four going at number one in the second round after a team's taken off and had a bye week. But the other thing I am going to say real quickly, Kevin, because people have heard me say it publicly. So I just don't want you to throw this out. I love Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. I would probably pick Joe Burrow over Josh Allen if I had to. Okay. Um, Close because I like Josh Allen too. But I got Buffalo slightly over Cincinnati on Monday night. If anybody's listening to this on Tuesday, I got Buffalo with everything that's on the line, and I think they're going to go find a way to win in a close game over Cincinnati on Monday night.
0: And probably because, because, as you pointed out, Cincinnati has these gaps in their game, they have stretches of games where they just disappear. Is that what will be the difference?
1: Yes. Uh, Cincinnati's defense was locked in when they played last year in a playoff game. When they came to Kansas City, we didn't talk enough about how Cincinnati's defense was playing so well. Here's the example. 2019, the Chiefs defense was just average, but at the end of the year, they hit their stride. Remember Tyron Matthew and those guys starting to play at a different level? Chris Jones blowing some stuff up. The Chiefs in the playoffs in 19 played better defense than they did six or seven weeks before. The Cincinnati Bengals did that last year, Kevin. In the playoffs, they were locked in in a legitimate defense. They're not right now. They're They're still trying to find their way. They're relying on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to great plays in the running game it's too much about Cincinnati's offense The defense is not locked down yet I think Cincinnati will be really good when they get to the playoffs but I think they still have it's a few holes much. here and there and uh, the Bills have so much to play for and I think that yeah. they really will be focused everyone's telling them that Cincinnati is going to beat you in a home game and I think that just sets up well I, I, I may be wrong because I like both these teams and the quarterbacks and everything else but for some reason I said it publicly so I want to make sure that I stay consistent and you hear me say it Kevin. Okay. Uh, yeah. I got I got Buffalo
0: in a close game over Cincinnati tonight. All right, I'm going to go Cincinnati over Buffalo in a close game tonight. So we'll see we'll see what happens and if you're listening yeah. to us on Tuesday this week, you'll find out which one of us was right. Yeah, Let's- I maybe said yeah. why did
1: he say that? But I oh, want to be full disclosure. I'm That's not good. I just want everyone to know. So if I'm wrong, I shouldn't have said it. No, I I don't care about being wrong. I'll I'll just tell you what I think.
0: All right. We both agreed last week. We'll switch here to college football. We both agreed last week that Kansas State was playing what we believe is, at worst, the second best team in the country in Alabama. And I think there's going to be some arguments when this is all said and done that maybe Alabama was the best team again this year. And I thought it showed. Look, Kansas State came out. They played hard. They got the lead. They certainly did not embarrass themselves in any way, shape, or form. But you could see the difference. I mean, when you have – 11 elite players on the field, one at every position, versus a team like K State that has a handful of elite players on both sides of the ball, but just not as deep with as many NFL type players as Alabama. It shows. It's something teams in the SEC know. We saw this. Uh, what's your takeaway from K State against Alabama? I, I'll tell you this. My, my takeaway was this. I told my buddies this, Stan. You tell me if I'm crazy. This was a great game for Will Howard. Okay? He's had so much success since taking over this job. This was a different level of competition for him to compete against. He got to feel it, see it, taste it, touch it. He gets to spend the offseason looking at it. And I'm not talking about it as a motivator or anything like that. If he's going to become even a next level quarterback, this was a good learning experience. And I'm sorry, winning the Big 12 Championship was the was the big ring for Kansas State. It was. Would have been fun to beat Alabama? Yes. To me, this was a different level. I think Bama made a statement we should have been in the playoff. I think after watching the game Saturday, They probably should have been in the playoff. What's your takeaway from K-State Alabama?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is it's nice to see uh, the two teams on the field because where is K-State football? Where's Big 12 football? This is a great chance to answer that question because Alabama is the gold standard. There's no doubt about it when you look over the five years and how they coach. Alabama stresses you in a lot of ways. Uh, They have everybody in the right position. They're well coached. They change up their defense all the time. So when you talked about Will Howard, It was a big mental game for he and the offensive line to really be accurate down to the last seconds before the ball snapped or even after the ball snapped to adjust to what's coming at you because Alabama continues to change their defense like Bill Belichick over and over again. And I thought K-State's chance was mentally they're probably the best in the country to handle what they're going to have to deal with. And we saw that. K-State had uh, a number of good plays in the first half. They busted open a hole right in the middle of Alabama's defense. They made, that may be as a, an impressive play, as you're going to see, Kevin. Deuce Vaughn, 88 yards for a touchdown. But you would have had 10 yards, Kevin, if we'd have handed you the ball. You know, Deuce is awesome. But the line, how about busting a hole against Alabama like that? So th- there's some really good things there. But what you saw was K-State had to be really almost perfect to gain four yards per play, uh, five yards per play. and You do that back-to-back-to-back, to back to back and you get a first down. But if you only do it in two of the three plays, you're punting. And that's the stress that Alabama put. Because when you go back and, for instance, look at the stats, K-State had uh, at halftime basically the same amount of yards as Alabama, even though they were behind 21 to 10. But K-State was doing it in chunks of every play. They would execute really well, and Alabama would tackle them and go, oh, you gained five yards. You know, there's no open space out there. You had to throw the ball quickly and perfectly. The receiver had to run a good route. You had to have a good scheme, make great reads. And then you'd get tackled as soon as you caught the football. Well, that's fine. K-State had a, a drive, Kevin, that lasted, what, 10 minutes? 10-plus minutes yeah. and had a chance at the goal line to score and lead 17-14 at the half. So those things were good. But the stress you have over a 60-minute game to be perfect all the time. That's right. Was where, that's the Alabama
0: excellence, right? Yeah, I mean, they, I, I, a couple of my buddies were complaining, perfect. Stan, on, a, on the pass Will Howard missed on fourth down there that would have put him up 17-14. I said, look, this was, I think it was an 18-play drive. I said, he just converted three third and longs, a fourth down, and now you're asking him to do another fourth down. I said, there's no such thing as a perfect drive. So that was five stressful conversion plays on one drive, and Will Howard converted four of the five. And the complaint was he missed his pass in the end zone on fourth and goal. I'm like, you can't rip the kid on that. Did you just see what he did on this drive? I mean, it was so hard to get to that position. It was amazing how hard they made them work on that drive.
1: Exactly. And credit K-State for continuing to, to get down there. They had one five-yard penalty near the goal line that really hurt because it's every yard was so valuable. They were you know, inside the five, and then all of a sudden it was first down closer to the 10-yard line. That hurt K-State. But you're right, 18 plays. 73 yards in the face of Alabama had just scored 14 straight points. They look like, I told you in pregame, Kevin, Alabama's going to look great for uh, stretches. You know, there's going to be two drives where you go, they are so great, there's no chance we have against them. You have to have the perseverance to fight. So K-State gets run over for 14 points by Alabama's offense. Heisman Trophy quarterback throwing the ball. There's no momentum. And K-State gets the ball and drives at 18 plays, 10 minutes, 30 seconds. Converts on many third downs. Doesn't convert on three of the third downs. They have to go to fourth down. They make two of them, and now they're at the goal line, and he overthrows the pass. He definitely overthrown through Ben Sennett, uh, and K-State missed an opportunity to have the lead at the half. But Alabama was putting so much pressure on K-State. you got to give K-State credit for executing. Like you said about Will Howard, he learned something. You know when you say you're open in college, and then you say NFL open, and they're two different things? The windows are so tight in the NFL quarterbacks have got to learn to fire the ball and know that the windows are much smaller that's the thing that will howard learned in this game kevin you're exactly right you can play college football down after down and get better will howard has room to get better he's improved a lot and all those things but against alabama you started to realize that those windows were even smaller for instance k-state drove the ball into you know k-state's missed opportunity was in the first half they got to alabama territory four times and only got 10 points In the first drive of the game, K-State did a lot of good things, but throwing the ball to Deuce Vaughn, slipping him out of the backfield, Will Howard throwing from the left hash, try to throw it over to the right numbers, and guess what? The Alabama defender was there, and Jordan Battle made an interception. That's not something he's had to deal with. That that pass by Will Howard was probably complete in all the other games that he played against. But against Alabama, the guy read it perfectly, knew his keys, was not going to let Deuce Vaughn get out there, and even though he wasn't in a perfect position the whole way, made a play at the end. So I do agree with you that not only Will Howard, but especially Will Howard, but the whole football team at K-State, learning to play at the level that Alabama brings down after down will be very helpful for the whole football team because it's not that big a step between where K-State plays football and where Alabama does. They'll tape in the first half and go, we can compete with these guys. But you and I can take a step back, Kevin, and said you were competing because you were gaining Chunk little chunks of yardage consistently where Alabama, all they needed to do out of four drives is just have a couple of big plays and they had 14 points on the board. They punted on three plays in their first drive and four plays on their second drive and yet Alabama had 21 points as the half. Kevin. That just shows you there's so much less room for, I mean, more room for air for Alabama. They can play up and down football and they have such great athletes yeah. that they'll, they'll get their points, right? K-State needed to play Tight, perfect football all the time to be in the game. And that's the difference. You know, congratulations, Alabama. What a good football team. I thought they should be in the, the college football playoff in our current format instead of Ohio State. I thought they were the fourth best team as defined in our current standards. Even with their two losses and penalizing them, I don't know why Ohio State playing in the Big Ten it wasn't that good this year and getting whipped by Michigan. I don't see where the rest of their resume was better than Alabama. But if we were to the NFL playoffs and we had to, you know, kind of reset and go, everybody makes it. Let's go. It'd be hard to beat Alabama. It'd be really hard. They're a really good team. Uh, it was fun to see K State against them. I do think Will Howard and a lot of players are going to learn. Okay, yeah, I know now. I know now a little tricks of the trade. I know now the speed of the game could be slightly different. And i you know, what? It's not too much for me. It'll help K State improve in the future, no doubt.
0: I think there's going to be no shortage of people over the next week saying. Boy, we sure wish Georgia was playing Alabama for the national title. Now, I don't subscribe to that because Bama lost two games this year, Um, maybe the two best losses in the history of college football, but they were still losses, and TCU has absolutely earned where they are. They score 51 to beat Michigan. You had TCU over Michigan this week. I like them plus 6.5, and and I said, I think they got a chance to win this game, but I I really like the line in this game. Georgia was down two touchdowns in both halves but was resilient and came back and beat Ohio State in... Not Georgia's best game, but resilient. I don't think Georgia's as good as they were last year. But they're a 13-point favorite over TCU in the national title game, which is one week from today as we're recording this on a Monday. Your thoughts about TCU and Georgia for all the marbles?
1: Well, I think TCU uh, is playing the style of football that I have tended this year, just this year, probably the last half of the year, to start beating the drum on. One of the big teams I have right now, Kevin, is the teams that play great offense and have great explosiveness and ability to run the football and the quarterbacks that can match and do all those things, I'm going to pick those teams over the teams that play more of an old-fashioned style. You know, defense used to win championships. When you get to this level, you say, don't discount the defense. Well, I do discount the defense, and these two semifinal games kind of play along with that theme, right? Michigan's not a bad offensive team, but they're not as good on offense as TCU is. TCU is explosive, Kevin. They have an answer for everything. They have four wide receivers that if they catch an eight-yard route and there's some green grass around, they can go all the way for a touchdown. They got two running backs, Kevin, that can go 60 yards if you miss a fit and make you pay. And Max Duggan is throwing the ball accurately. He looks downfield. He wants to make big plays. So there is an unbelievable belief on TCU's offense that we're going to score and you can't do anything about it, and they got the players to deliver. So TCU plays a style of football and offense that really plays well to win a national championship. They are the best offense in college football, okay? It's, it's TCU. Now, Michigan has a very good offense, and so we saw a high-scoring game, and we saw two high-scoring games. So Georgia's defense last year overcame the offenses. It, and Georgia laughed and said, no, no, Stan, remember, defense wins championships. Well, remember how many of those guys were first-round picks off Georgia's defense last year? I think six guys went in the first round from Georgia to the NFL credit Kirby smart and the Georgia team for being undefeated right now and restocking that was hard to do, but they're not as good as they were last year. And they were very lucky to get out of there with the win. Uh, They weren't the better team on this day. Ohio state was credit Georgia for finding a way to win. So I think a big theme is going to be how much Georgia is playing an easy team and too bad it's TCU in there. Don't buy that. Don't, you know, don't listen to that. TCU's offense will stress Georgia's defense. Uh, Would I pick an SEC team team like Georgia to lose and just say, oh, they're not good enough? No, I'm not going to do that. I mean, Georgia comes into the game as a favorite. I have no problem with that. But, Kevin, believe in TCU. Their defense is not great, but they get turnovers, they're resourceful, and their offense is ready for prime time. TCU will make this game close. This is one of those, if the line stays big, and all we hear about for the whole week is Georgia is going to win a national championship and TCU is lucky to get in there. That's what I heard so far by the national reporters, you know, bet on TCU because there's wow. no reason why they can't keep this close. Yeah, no oh, think, by the way, I think the line's they can win down. a national championship. They wow. can win. TCU can win this game.
0: I, th- I think there's a lot of football fans around the country that absolutely believe that. I think that line's coming down. I think th- I think the betters are going to bring that line down. I think the money's going to be all over TCU on this thing. And, and I think it should be. And that doesn't mean Georgia can't win by two touchdowns because, of course, they can. I just don't think they will. I think even if Georgia got a lead in this game, TCU would storm back and make a game of it. I think it's going to be a whale of a game. I, I don't remember seeing a line this far off in a game like this. I, I can't even believe it. I just I can't even believe it's a 13-point line.
1: But it well, is. The theme that I've heard The theme I've heard on national... Uh, sources so far is just how awful Michigan played, how stupidly their coach, no. how it's all about Michigan's mistakes. No. no one wrong gave any credit to how good TCU was. Right. And I said TCU would win going into the game just because I thought Michigan is a little more methodical. Now, Michigan fans, if you're listening, I understand that that's probably a bad analysis because they lit Ohio State up with big plays. And they lit up big plays against TCU and scored, you know, 48 points. So Michigan is probably a better offensive team than I give them credit for. But I thought well, TCU just is a more explosive team than Michigan. And I stand by that. I think TCU's offense is the best in the country. They're explosive. They can strike from anywhere. They believe in themselves. And Max Duggan is doing a great job as a quarterback. He can run. He can throw. He's, he's playing like he's Josh Allen right now. He will run and take hits, and he's throwing the ball downfield. So TCU's offense is such that I said I did say I thought TCU would beat Michigan. I'm not here saying TCU is going to win against uh, Georgia. I said Georgia is the best team in the country after watching them play in the game against Ohio State. You know, I would question that just a little bit that there's that much separation. But I think Georgia probably will win the game. But I'm telling you, TCU has a chance. If it's a 33 percent chance. 40% chance. It's a lot bigger, Kevin. I'm with you. Than most analysts are going to give you a chance to think about.
0: I'm with you, and I hope you have a great Monday. You don't get many days off, buddy, and it's a holiday on this Monday, and there's a lot of football, and I know you're going to enjoy that. And I wish you a very happy new year and hope you have a great day today, Stan. Thank you as always for your time.
1: Okay, thanks, Kevin. Happy new year to everybody out there.
0: All right, he is Stan Weber, and he gets the rare day off where he can just veg out on football, and he will, I promise you, Stan will veg out completely on football. On this holiday with all the bowl games and the Big Bills Bengals game on Monday night. His appearance is brought to you by Cross Kitchens KC, online at crosskitchenskc.com. I get asked all the time, are they only kitchens? No. No, they're not only kitchens. Bathrooms, man cave, any kind of remodel around your home, Cross Kitchens KC does it all. This is a family-owned, smaller business in Belton, Missouri. These guys are the best, man. You meet Tim Cross, you're going to like him. You're going to love the personal service that he puts into your project. Yeah. Why don't you sit down with them? It's free to discuss and say, hey, we want to think about doing this in our house. What do you think? Online at crosskitchenskc.com or 816-898-7047. Advantage Termite and Pest Control. Schedule your annual service right now. They come quarterly and make sure you never have any critters around your house. Advantage Termite and Pest Control is the only pest control company I've ever used. We love them. We've been with them for decades now. AdvantageTPC.com. Is how you find them online or call 913-768-8989. Residential or commercial will take care of your business as well. They also do lawn care, Advantage Termite and Pest Control, AdvantageTPC.com. And Amazing Garage Floors and AmazingGarageFloors.net. This is the perfect time. It's the new year, guys. You didn't get what you wanted for Christmas? You didn't get your new garage floor? Call them and set up that appointment. They'll come take a look at your garage, get you an estimate, and as soon as it warms up just a little bit in a few weeks, They'll be on your garage and figuring that baby out. Do it. You're going to love this product. AmazingGarageFloors.net. I hosed mine out last week after the little snow and the salt and sand. Took less than 10 minutes. Pops right back new. You can actually kind of, you can sort of smell it a little bit too. Mine's pretty new, but it just washes right out. And it looks exactly like the day that John and Heather came and put it on. It's a, It really is an amazing product, guys. You want this on your garage floor. Trust me. AmazingGarageFloors.net right, we'll resume the regular schedule beginning on Tuesday and a big week obviously upcoming. We'll see what happens with this football game on Monday night as it pertains to the Chiefs. We have a lot of football. There should be some news happening this week. The Republicans are going to be taking over in Congress. We're going to have a lot of cool things like that going on so we're very much looking forward to that. It's been very quiet on the news front for a couple of weeks, I guess as it should be around the holidays, but I'm sure that's going to be heating up as well and we're just happy to have you with us in this new year on Kevin Keatsman has issues thank you so much for listening we know you love Stan's appearances on Monday and that is your football feast at Kevin Keatsman has issues
1: thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman
0: has issues presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC